Hey, welcome back everybody to the JNM podcast here with Mike and Jason brought to you by Low Death Media. This is our second episode here on the platform and we are super excited that you decided to join us. Uh, let's for the new listeners, which I'm hoping there are many new listeners. Let's do just a very quick introduction so our audience knows who we are. Jason, tell them about it. Jason Brown. Um, well, traveled, um, you know, individual, born and raised pretty much in the Atlanta area. I have a passion for travel, family, friends, um, and ultimately this this country, uh, which we will definitely talk a little bit about this <laughs> in this in this podcast. Um, how about yourself, Mike? Hey, this is Mike, and like Jason, I have been around, seen a few things. And I bring about 50 years of life experience to the podcast. I am a technology enthusiast. Any type of content creation, whether it be photography, videography, uh, or in the form of just a podcast, just the voice, I'm all about it. So hoping that today we can uncover some things that have happened in the world around us. Again, the motto of our podcast is our world through our eyes. So it's what we see, how we see it. Hoping some of this resonates with you, and if nothing else, it creates a conversation for you, your family, your friends, and maybe you see things in a different perspective. So with that in mind, Jason, what is our first topic for today's podcast? You know, it, it took me a while to just try to figure out what I could possibly bring, you know, this week. Oh, it's been um, such a know. boring week, and, and this new it's year been such has a been so boring. This the first week of 2021, um, you know, there nothing happened. But no, honestly, <laughs> it, it almost feels like that one week was a year in itself. Um, you know, a lot of folks are joking about, but ultimately, we, we got to address the elephant in the room. You know, um, for those of you who are listening, whether it's you know it happened last week for you or you're listening to this a hundred years from now, um, we always had a cool attempt. Seriously, I mean, no, it, it, we had an attack on the state capitol um, based off of, you know, certain individuals, you know, in this in this country that had a difference of opinion or a different view on the world ultimately saw fit that they just needed to take matters in their own hands um, and ultimately caused a revolution, you know, that some of the individuals who have done it. So just to give you guys a little bit of context, um, you know, President, uh, our 45th president, um, Donald J. Trump, uh, had a press conference, if you will, right in front of the White House um, and had, you know, individuals that he had at normal, most of his rallies, um, you know, pretty significant crowd was there. And he encouraged them that, you know, he didn't lose the election. He wanted everything to get recounted again or to the matter that he really truly is the president elect in his opinion. And he enticed those individuals to then walk from the White House down the Washington DC mall to head down to the Capitol and demand, you know, to stop the proceedings of the formality of, you know, the delegates or the congressmen to then in the House and also in the Senate to make their case in front of the vice president of stating, hey, we are gonna elect a brand new president. Um, so in that- Which by the way, just as a footnote, Mm -hmm. The vice president doesn't really have the authority to do any of that. And oh. so here's the president sending a horde of people to the Capitol to do something and petition someone to do something that he probably can't even do. 
he honestly can't. I mean, it tip, it really truly was um, or formality. It, it, it's it's something that does take place. That's part of the process of uh, you know getting a new president in place, but. The vice president has zero power to then veto or change or completely make his own designation of who he sees fit as being the president. Because a, a, well, a, yeah, a number of individuals you, have said a, a multiple vice presidents would have clearly yeah. said, you know what, I'm going to be president. <laughs> I can name a few it, off the top of my head who have thought of these. I mean, imagine if they did have that, that power. Correct. I mean, imagine how things would have changed, how history would have yes. been changed if if a vice president could do that. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I mean, it it it, it, it almost caught individuals who aren't very well versed in, um, you know, in the the Constitution and just the way that democracy works. Um, a lot of people were like, "Oh my goodness, can he do this? What? You know, can he be done? one of the people that you're mentioning is the president? Um, <laughs> apparently, he needs to be schooled on what's in the Constitution." Uh, because there are a couple times where he has uh, said things like that that are totally inaccurate. Completely. And I think as a nice little, I don't want to say a segue because that's not my next point, but but mm -hmm. as a just a side note, mm -hmm. I think that was one of his major undoings that prevented him from getting reelected because he kept saying things that were either a inaccurate Mm -hmm. or be inflammatory or see divisive. Correct. And so he just has this knack for, I mean, typical bully syndrome, just wants to go in yes. there and say something and drop the mic and just see what happens. I mean, absolutely. And, 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 and ultimately, which leads kind of to my, to my first topic really um, is when Donald Trump was first running, for president his big thing was that he was an outsider he was not part of you know washington dc that he was going to bring a different perspective to you know politics and, and you know the government as a whole how how has this now shaped um you know our, our democracy our union going forward it's kind of my my my, my outlook or, or my question rather the first topic um I, I remember hearing a interview just recently with dan rather a lot of you young Man, kids, he's still please alive? Google. Dan Dude, Rather he's still, still alive? alive? No. Dan is still alive. And he still has a podcast and he has a show. It's insane. No. So he did an interview and he said, ultimately, you know, yes, you know, Donald Trump basically came into, uh, into office stating that he was going to be the, ultra, the, the, the outsider of Washington. But his key big thing was based off of what took place. Is this country, is this presidency going to be looked at as a transitional or a um, or, or transitional um, presidency, or is it going to be a transformational? Oh, hey, I like that. What have what have we learned in this process? Are we going to allow our commander in chief to be someone who says, "I'm going to cause disruption," or is it going to be someone who is then going to, you know, empower the country to do better? So that's you know, that's kind of perfect. Okay, now you. That gets me thinking, mm -hmm. all right, because how many times have you looked at any political figure, whether mm -hmm. local or national, and said all they do is they, it's like a cookie cutter almost. They just fit a type. Correct. And so they either act presidential or they act like a politician and they just follow the, the company line. Mm -hmm. And so you're, 
your instinct is to say, man, I wish they would break out of that. I wish they would do something different. I wish they would listen to me, the, 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 you know, uh, what are we citizens of <laughs> the voters? <laughs> and so you want something different. Then you see someone different. And does that, <laughs> does that take you back and go, wow, he's not acting very presidential at all. He's not acting <laughs> like a politician. You get what you want, but is it really what you want? And I yeah. like that transitional or transformational because I wanted a president to come in who is going to shake things up and quit being the status quo and get us things that we need and start thumbing our nose at some of these international agreements that we have. Two in, in point, it, two cases in point that I think are really important that people really need to pay more attention to. One uh, was the the Paris, um, uh, what is it, climate control or the the the, the accords where. The name. Yeah, I don't know the name, but it, it was the Paris something where it talked about environmental uh, issues. Correct. And he got us out of that. And the reason being is because they'll never live up to what they're saying. It's going to cost a you know, ton of money. And so mm -hmm. looking at it, he said, on paper, you want to be part of it because people look at it and say, oh, that's a great thing. But is it really going to amount to anything? So he said, mm. no. So he backed out of that. The other one was the Iran, uh, the Iran nuclear deal. Uh, because he again said they'll never live up to that. So why why even be, uh, why even make the appearance that we're in an agreement? So he backed out of that. So those are the kind of things that I appreciated about him. That's transformational to me, because what's mm -hmm. the first thing that the new administration is going to do? They're going to start going back and sucking up to all these international, um, these other countries, and get us back into all these deals that we were out of which I don't think is a good idea. Correct. And, and, and to your point, um, you, you brought up a really, really good point in that, in that case to where I believe that this presidency will then ultimately solve or you know, lead us to what Trump was basically going down those lines. Um, his idea of completing getting out of the status quo, I think that we can't go back to the what we used to have. You know, just someone who basically just presents themselves as, you know, a, a quote unquote liaison to the world um, to where we can just, you know, shake hands, hug necks, kiss a baby and stuff like that. Yeah. They're really going to have to roll up their sleeves and get to work with things that have to be done, not only for America um, to, and how our position is in the entire world. You I see agree. what I'm saying? I agree. Mm -hmm. However, comma. Um, since the invention of the television, image has become everything. Yes. And so you look at the first televised debate between Kennedy and Nixon, and Kennedy won simply because Nixon looked like he was sweating his life out of his face. Correct. And so you want an image. So the counterpoint to that, yes, we don't want someone who's just going to be a figurehead and just appear to be political. However, mm -hmm. we do need somebody who is going to represent the country in a way that it doesn't cause other countries to go, <laughs> look at look at that guy. I mean, look yep. at Boris Johnson, okay, over mm -hmm. in England. That guy mm -hmm. is a laughing stock. I mean, everybody pokes fun at him. All, even people in Britain poke fun yeah. at him. And so yep. you need somebody who, I think it's a two-headed monster. They've got to have a certain appearance, but then they've also got to have the substance. Be, look, this is we, we just are in tandem. So listen, folks, we're going to I'm take the same exact example that Mike just get, gave you in a whole nother context. And it's going to make sense. 
quarterbacks. Quarterbacks. Okay. Everyone back in the day, we want our quarterbacks to look a specific way. He's got to be, you know, tall. six foot tall. He's got to have, you know, a strong arm. He's got to be a, you know, a big strapping lad. He's got to have a strong chin. All of these little check boxes they basically wanted for their quarterback back in the day to where now we have a whole big bunch of different quarterbacks <laughs> who can specialize in this and specialize in this. Um, but then at the same token, Yes, they may all look a lot different. They don't fit that same old stereotype, but they all still are close to almost six, over six foot. They all do still have, you know, a strong arm. They all still have that same kind of bravado. Um, so it's, yes, you're still getting what you, you're not, it, it may not look exactly what it used to look like, but some of these things still have to be checked. Some of these boxes still have mm -hmm. to be there um, to, because again, you can't have, you know, a, a, a five foot six quarterback who can't see over the offensive line to get the ball down the line, except for Drew Brees. Sorry, Drew well, Brees. No, or but, Doug Flutie. I mean, or Doug listen, Flutie. Listen, they were short, Tony Romo. They look, yep. well, let me rephrase. They look short only because everyone else is so tall, but they're probably average height, five, 10, six foot. Absolutely. So, so to that same token, when it comes to, and I hate using the word politicians, but individuals who represent, you know, community organizers or community um, leaders. Yes, they may, before we wanted them to look a certain way and talk a certain way, that's going to change. They're gonna look different. They're gonna be female, they're gonna be tall, they're gonna be short, they're gonna be male, they're gonna be black, white, orange, yellow. The, the color and the shape and the size doesn't matter. However, the content in which they carry themselves and the way that they printed themselves, not only domestically, but internationally should still hold true. So that's my big thing that I'm going to take here because we learned, okay, we got an outsider. You see what an outsider got us. We, we got some things that are out of it, but I still think that we're, we're still going down that, that wonderlick test of really finding out who we really, really, really want yeah, you, to you just said America. You just said the wonderlick test. And for all those non-sports <laughs> people out there, that's the quarterback <laughs> IQ test. And so just, just want to let everybody know. All right. So, Hey, it's our, it's the world the way we see it. Man. It's just up so, there. Oh. It's just, it comes out like butter, <laughs> just like butter. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, uh, there's something about that, that, so last week we talked about where do you go to find the truth? You know, what, hmm? as, as normal Joe citizen, how do, where do I go to find out what's really happening in the world? And, and you can take this particular event that we just talked about what happened at the Capitol. How do I get the proper, uh, depiction of what happened there. Correct. Same thing for a presidential candidate or a president period. Um, you talked about, you know, if he's going to be a, a transitional or transformational. I think one thing that was, uh, I would say, a key asset for, for um, Trump was that he was transparent. What he said he was going to do, he did. You, you knew what you were getting. He didn't sugarcoat anything. It wasn't hidden, no hidden agendas. It just came out. But now yeah. that we've just had a political election, okay, and people voted both locally and nationally for new politicians, the question is, how, where do we go to find out what they really stand for? Because they made a great pitch, especially here in Georgia. I mean, you and I, we live here in Georgia. They yep. promised us everything. Off. Oh, we were going to get health care. We were going to get education. We were going to higher wages and lower tax. They promised us the farm. But what's what's reality? 
where do we go to right. find out what they're really trying to push? Because underneath that, they said there's a liberal agenda, right? And so they're trying socialism. So where do we find that out? You make a really, really good point. And, and to, to your point, you said, we have to have a combination of things. For yourself, you said, we have to, you know, check all, look at everywhere find from the far right to the far left and basically just decipher between the two and basically come up to your own baseline of really what this individual is talking to. And then I said, go directly to the source. Physically reach out to those individuals if you possibly can, writing letters, go to conferences, go to town halls to really truly find out what they stand for and then call their bluff. Um, okay. It, and so my big thing specifically with, uh, I'll state the, the presidential um, election specifically, there were so many different ways. Technology is amazing right now. You can literally go to all of the individual um, candidates' pages, their websites, and see what they're actually- How many um, people do you, you think actually for? do that? Uh, just because I don't, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna miss this point. How many so, people so, do you think actually go out and invest the time to research a candidate before they hit the button? So that's that's the big thing. We already know that voter turnout was probably the highest it's ever been ever in the, in the history of America, at least you know in modern times, that it can be calculated. So within that, there's still individuals who still didn't vote. So then there, you have to take those people out that didn't do any research, didn't vote. So then individuals who did vote, who were basically coerced by the, you know, we have a two party system here in America, whether it's just Republicans or Democrats, basically pushing individuals who had never voted, pushing them, hey, this is what I, this is what I'm going to do for you. This is what I'm going to do for you. Vote for this candidate. Then you have individuals such as ourselves, educated, want to basically get the research, want to dig into these a little bit more, who actually physically go do, do, do the research and find out. I would say close to about just again, cutting down the percentages throughout every single level that I said, maybe 20%. Maybe, maybe 30 on the high range. So, and that's not good. So let me preface no, that. No. That's not a good thing, folks. The, the fact that this is our highest voter turnout ever in the history of America, and we still had individuals who still didn't vote in, in, in the major elections and also local elections, this tells you that we still have so far to go to really get participation and then ultimately really understanding what you're participating in. Okay. And, and I read a book, it was called the, the myth of the rational voter. Mm -hmm. And it talks about exactly what we're talking about. There was a, I don't know if you've on Fox news, they had a guy on there who they interview quite regularly. He was a, a, a pollster and mm -hmm. he could help you know, kind of decipher the numbers and help you determine who, who was going to get elected, who wasn't, why they were going to get elected, where people were, were placing their votes and why those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's a really smart guy, and he he wrote a book, and it was called The Myth of the Rational Voter. And in it, he talks about most people vote based on the number of signs they see on the way to the polling location, and that's mm -hmm. how easily they're influenced. Yep. But then he added in there kind of what we're talking about. We, we expect people to do better, do more, be more uh, educated when it comes to voting. But he said if they did that, could the system handle it? Could the system handle 75% of the voting citizens being educated about their candidates? And would it bring the political process to a screeching halt? Yeah. And so sometimes 
you look at it and you go, you almost have to dumb it down to the lowest common denominator. And the way the system is designed, you almost have to make it that way. Yep. Do you believe it or not? I do. I, I, I honestly do. And a prime example is just now in 2021, um, the Senate runoffs that happened here in Georgia. Um, for most of you all who, who don't understand what, what took place during the regular um, general presidential election, we also had a Senate seat that was up for, for grabs as well as um, a special election where someone had been appointed after someone had stepped down. So we had two Senate seats that were up. The thing here in Georgia is folks have to, the, each individual candidate to be elected has to get 50% of the vote at least. Mm -hmm. Everyone who was on the actual, <clears throat> excuse me, on the ticket were below the 50% marker. So therefore the individuals with the highest two amount of votes then had to go into a runoff, which then forced everyone to dig a little deeper. Okay, cool. My candidate is out. So who do I have to vote for? Oh my goodness. I, I know these names, but I don't know who these people are. I voted for, you know, so-and-so. It's not until individuals are put into, you know, new confines or, or a different space to where we then fight or flight, try to figure out what's going to go on to really find, to get to the solution. So I believe that this runoff election was a prime example of individuals. Hey, yeah, I see all these signs on the street. I voted for that person. He still didn't get that amount of vote. Let me go in and do a little bit more research, which then brings in a whole nother case to where we had outside money from other states coming in other countries investing into this election to run off and, See, just, and that's another thing that really irritates the fire out of me yes you've got outside investors and and they the democratic national convention poured tons of money into georgia to help get these guys elected and that to me is unethical because this isn't about national politics. These are the representatives that are going to Congress to represent me, the Georgian. And this is the problem that I have with, with um, politics when it comes to, and we'll get away from the Senate seat because I, I understand how that works, but on a presidential scale, because in the state of Georgia, it's a majority wins everything kind of, that's how the electoral college goes. So if you have a 51% majority for the president, the other 49%, your electoral votes are still going to the other guy. Where in some states, they split them up based on percentages. So at least I know that my guy didn't win, but at least my electoral votes went to the person that I wanted and might help them win cumulatively on a national level. So when it comes down to representation, I think that's that's an issue, but that that is a discussion for another day. For this local election, the problem I had, one, was the uh, just overwhelming advertising campaign for this. I mean, it was just, I mean, between emails, texts, and phone calls, and just mail. commercials. Oh my God. Mail. Oh my God. It was just horrible. All right. Now, what we could discuss for weeks is how much better the Democrat side did than the Republican side on relaying a message. I don't even know if it was their message, but it was just a message. The Republican side, all they did was come out and say, we're not them and, <laughs> and we're gonna stop socialism. Well, if I don't believe, if I'm a Democrat and I don't believe in socialism, I'm not gonna vote for you. 
All right. Or if I'm in, if, if I'm in a non-decided, if I'm in the middle, yeah, yeah, undeclared, yeah. All, yeah. all you're saying is that, Hey, we're going to stop socialism. I'm like, well, I don't think socialism is going to happen. So I don't care about that issue. <laughs> At least the other guys, the other guys were saying, Hey, we're going to do this. This is our platform. Yes. This is what we're at least going after. Yes. The Republican side did not do that. And it was yeah. a, it was a very vague message. And I think, yeah. again, that's why they lost. So between, well, and the two candidates were, I mean, just tied to the hip to Trump. And so that didn't help them. Mm-hmm. And so I just think a lot of things went sideways uh, towards the end. And you had, I know with Leffler, um, well, Leffler and Gary and Greg Collins or Gary Collins, Greg Collins. Mm-hmm. No, Collins. I, I, Gary Collins is an actor. I think it was Greg Collins. So okay. um, those are two Republicans. And so if you put those together, those amount of votes should have won against a Democrat, a Democratic nominee. But in the runoff, they did not. OK, mm-hmm. so some. Because those votes went to the Democratic side. Right, because something happened between the first election and the runoff. And I think what happened was Trump hurting the Republican side and the unclear message from the Republicans. And so to your point, yes, there are are so many things that should have happened. People should have become more invested. They should have looked at the issues. But I think what it boiled down to, and again, we talked about it, it just became easy. Because yes. the Republicans didn't do a good job, Democrats did, and the people looked at it and they said, I want $2,000. I want somebody <laughs> to do education. I want, I want health care with pre-existing yes. conditions. And so they yep. said, hey, I'm going to vote for that person because at least I know, I think, what, I'm I'm getting. what you're going to do. The Republicans didn't do it. And yep. so again, dumbing it down to the lowest common denominator, that's, that, I think that's what changed the, and, the tide. And, and, and one thing that kind of just... In the, in the whole entire process, just everything. Um, and, and we kind of touched on it a little bit was there was an actual message and it was just so much division um, to, to what you spoke about on the Republican side to where on the Democratic side, they ultimately did what the Republicans did in the presidential election in 2016. Now we're playing to win. We're not playing just to be up here. We're playing to get the amount of votes that we need to actually win this presidency. The Democrats ultimately did that in all of these Senate in the Senate races, as well as in the presidency. They played to win because they ultimately knew what they needed to. They learned from what happened in 2016. No, no, no. You know, you got to play to win. You got to say what you, you have to give the people what they want, what they ultimately are saying they want. See, so and, and that I was the challenge. And I, that you, you make a good point. I think sometimes politicians. They play the short game. I want to get elected yep. now, but they don't play the, the long game where I want to keep our party relevant. Uh, I got something on my speaker there. Um, they want to remain relevant. And, and a, the other part of that is they'll say whatever they have to say to get in. And then once they get in, they'll do whatever they want or whatever they need yep. to to stay in. Yep. And so it's a totally mixed bag. Yeah. Um, and, 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 that, and that is just one of the things that... Um, me, myself, I, I just don't, I've never understood the concept of a career politician. I just don't get it. I don't, I, it just me personally, I just don't understand how one specific family can have politicians in their family for, you know, hundreds of years. I, I, it, I get it. It, it. it can't, how is it the family business? Like, I just don't get it. I, I, I don't, I don't get it. 
it's just me personally, but, uh, and that just goes back to individuals wanting something different, you know, but then within that different, what are you getting? So, um, and, and again, a, a lot of the disruption that we had from outside of our state um, with the, with the presidential election, as well as these runoffs. Um, and even with, um, what was it? The, um, just the recount, like wanting to do the special investigation, oh, you know, Ted, Ted Cruz from Texas, you know, I want to recount everything in Arizona and I want to recount everything in Pennsylvania. Like, bro, okay. what happened in Texas? Focus well, on see, Texas, we, bro. Hey, we talked Man. about this. And, and this is the thing about an election that I don't know if many people, well, it, it, it seems very, very cut and dry for me, but maybe I don't see it the way I should be seeing it. Mm -hmm. When you go to verify an election, how do you verify if you think there are in, if you think that there are discrepancies and extra votes and all that kind of stuff, how then do you verify an election? You have to go through, you can't just take this ballot and say, hey, Joe made this vote. It's it's good. Check. You got to go to Joe and say, Joe, did you vote for this person? Did you go to this place? Now, I did see a commercial the other day, and it was, oh, what is her name? She ran for uh, office. Uh, she ran against um, Ossoff and somebody else uh, four years ago, two years ago, maybe. Uh, uh, Karen Handel. A no, Abrams. Stacey oh, Abrams. Stacey. And mm -hmm. she was talking about confirming your vote in Georgia, and it was peachvote.com or .org. And mm -hmm. you, the voter, were supposed to go out there and look at your result and say, yes, this is, my name is Joe, I voted there, and you press the button, you say confirm, okay? That was me. Mm -hmm. um, one, I haven't done it, but two, I don't suppose very many other people have done that to confirm it. Mm -hmm. But this is coming weeks after they supposedly audited the election twice. So how did you audit an election and give it the thumbs up and tell the president in a phone call, Yes, the results are beyond reproach. We did everything right. When you're still asking people to go out online to confirm their vote. I don't so, so So this goes back to what you were just stating, the, particip the, the participation of the, the local voter and the local citizen. Whether you voted by absentee, if you voted by early voting, or if you voted the day of. As soon as you vote, you're supposed to go on that website and double check and track your vote. You shouldn't wait a week oh. or two weeks or a month afterwards. Well, I should you do should that right now us. then. Hey, while we're on this call, I'm gonna look at it and see what it says. Let's let's do that right there, now. There you go. So, so, so for me, for the presidential election, my wife and I, we did absentee ballots and we tracked it from the day we dropped it, physically went down there and put it in the, the envelope uh, right there on Prior Street downtown, just to make sure that we put it in the right place. And then for the runoff, physically went into our local polling station, voted. And as soon as we did it, came right back out, went on the website to confirm that it was our, our, our ballot, our name, our, um, date of birth and that we truly truly our vote was counted so that's all right. what now, it all i'm on to. the web page okay and it says mm -hmm. georgia runoff fair fight attention georgia all this stuff um but it, there's no way to confirm i, I didn't go to that one. i don't know i'm gonna go to i, I went to georgia.org yeah try either peach vote I, I i never tried that one but i just went to um the government the georgia right, government website all right so 
This is Find My Legislators. Oh my gosh, this is online voter registration. Um, it's, it should say like track your vote. Um, uh, oh my goodness, what is the name of it? Yeah, this is this is not doing anything for me. Absentee valid, uh, valid. Um, oh, check registration and polling location, register to vote, find my legislatures. Uh, there's nothing on here that, that says, and I don't want to get too sidetracked by this, but again, mm -hmm. they tell you, hey, mm -hmm. um, this is what you need to do to confirm that you voted. And I've been to both pages and I got nothing. So this is what I always do. This is me personally. This is yeah, Jason Brown. Tell me, man. Educate. Citizen, citizen A, if you will. Um, I go to Georgia.gov. That is the uh -huh. best place to get the direct source of what you're looking for. Okay. Now, what does this do there? What What can I do as far as voting goes? Again, I'm not a Georgia I'm not a government representative, but Georgia.gov is where you can find everything that you need when it comes to, um, you know, registering a business, um, you know, filing your taxes, right. everything, and, and specifically registering to vote and also to track your ballot. Ultimately, is where you want to go. So if you go to Georgia.gov or GA.gov, then it'll basically you'll see voting, you know, right. the area. Then once you're there, you can then view um, your register to confirm that you're registered to vote and then ultimately track your um, your vote. All right, because I'm on there now and I'm under voting and it says my voter page. That's what you want to go to. So go to my okay. voter page. Go there and then. Okay. They said MVP login. Right. Mm hmm. That's what you got to fill out. Your name, your first initial, your last name, the county, and your date of birth. And that will show you who you, it's, I don't think it shows you who you voted for, but it should track when you voted to confirm you voted at that place that you voted and that it was um, confirmed. Because again, this is all, you know, your own personal information. All right. Let's State see what happens. Voted. I'm going to see what happens right here. It said, it's got my name. It said that um, this is my polling place and who my elected officials are and then uh let's see does it it doesn't say if i voted or not it, it just says say... it says when the election was where it should have been um click here for a sample ballot absentee ballot who my elected officials are but i can't confirm here if I voted, it just says this is where I go to vote. So, so previously there was a there was a little icon. Yeah. Where you click? Oh, voting status. Here we go. Oh, where's it? Oh, at? Early voting. Yeah. Absentee. Yeah. So I don't. Again, I don't want to belabor this or anything, yeah. but um, this is kind of and, and we've uncovered something for you know people who want to become more invested. It becomes a little arduous. And so what they do is they just say, eh, they light I'm it on fire and just say, I'm done yeah. with it. So I'm going to delete that. I'm going to go back to my cool emails and here are the two folders. Got it. Okay. Check. So, yeah. All right. So, yeah. so, so no. all that so, done. So, yeah. so, so, so that is one of the challenges or if you will, I don't say challenges, but that's part of which that's part of what that is part of becoming being part of a democracy. You're gonna to have to put the work in. 
the amount of effort that you put in is what you're going to get out. So a lot of those individuals who basically say, oh, this is how I feel about this country. And uh, did you vote? No, I didn't vote. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear your mouth. And even I, if I they do vote, I don't think a lot of people, they say they care. But at the end of the day, they don't care. They don't care until it affects them. And that's usually true. national politics, they don't affect a person very directly mm -hmm. um, in most cases. Um, but they will see the, they will see what the media spins and then they'll mm -hmm. say, oh, I don't like that. Like they'll yes. see, you know, what the news says about Trump and then they'll say, oh, I don't like that because now I don't like Trump because of this. But then they don't do the homework to, to find out for themselves what really happened. So we could talk about this for days and days. <laughs> um, so the kind of synopsis there was the events at the Capitol. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it is truly a black eye on the history of America. Um, I do believe that it was a, a poor decision to demonstrate a very true and real feeling. People are very disenfranchised with the current political system and with the election as a whole, and they just went about demonstrating that, uh, that I don't know what you would call it, their frustration. They went about mm -hmm. demonstrating that in a bad way. Oh, so, absolutely. I mean, no one can can sit here and condone what they did or no one no. can legitimize what they did. That was by every measurable metric wrong. Yes. But if you peel back the onion, you find out that there are people who feel very adamant about what happened. They just need a better outlet. Then so and, that's what we'll we'll leave it at that because they'll perfect. we'll probably never find a solution to that. Um, but just know at least people are getting involved in the process and it's creating a dialogue. And those people, you know, the ones who incited it will be prosecuted. But and, 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 and I definitely want to like chime in just really briefly with that whole entire situation. And this is kind of what we're talking about. Um, and kind of summarizes it to, to where you really truly want to make sure that you are, you know, getting accurate information. Um, personal story here. Um, in the riots that took place, um, this, the, the, what took place at the Capitol this uh, last week, there was a young lady who died there. A couple of individuals lost their lives, um, a law enforcement officer and I believe four other individuals. But one of the individuals that lost their life um, was from here. Kennesaw, Georgia, um, Metro Atlanta uh, area. I went to high school with that young lady. I no actually graduated, I graduated with her. Was um, she the Air Force vet? Is that the one? No, 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 no. This, um, this young lady, you know, um, I remember her from middle school and high school, you know, and can't really say what happens to individuals once they get out of high school and, you know, go into the workforce and real life, uh, you know, adulthood. Um, but I did read some information, you know, just from group chats that I'm a part of from high school. Um, and this young lady honestly was not very fanatical, which I want to, you know, I don't, I don't know her personally, you know, just recently, but from when we were younger, and then also just from conversations of individuals, conversations she had with individuals up to New Year. Um, you know, yes, she had a few mental, you know, challenges or mental illnesses, what it sounds like she suffered from. But she was very easily manipulated. So I really want to make sure that people hear what I'm saying here. It is very important to have an outlet 
a positive outlet, whether that's talking to someone, family, friends. If it's a group of individuals that you don't feel comfortable with, please reach out to those different resources. There's therapy out there. There's all these different avenues that you can reach out to to really make sure that you're being heard. Because um, it sounds as if she just didn't feel like she was being heard um, and ultimately led her down a very, very, very dark path, which ultimately, you know, got her in one of probably one of the worst worst places uh, in time at that specific time and ultimately lost her life. So, yeah, and, you know, cool. historically, you find that people who are vulnerable like that usually end up gravitating to organizations or groups that really they they seek those kind of folks out and they, they make what they're doing yes that's a very accurate description and they seek them out and they through time come up with a way to cultivate those people manipulate them brainwash them mm -hmm. if you will and and that's how they increase their numbers and so they become very savvy at that and so historically we see that over and over and over and so i think it's it's very important Yes. That, like you said, people for themselves reach out for help, but then as a support system, we look out for each other. And when we yes. see someone in a state where they're vulnerable like that, that we we try to intervene because I don't yes. think it gets enough attention. I think it does. That, that kind does. of vulnerability just does not get the attention that it needs or deserves. Yes. And a yes. lot of people, you know, make very poor decisions because they, they're yeah. like everybody else. They just want to be accepted. They, they and, just and, want somebody and, to say, hey, I see you. I, I see you and I hear you. And ultimately, yeah. you know, the conversation, the group chat that I was a part of, um, you know, individuals could kind of see that. Um, and they were kind of just like, you know, I just don't have time for it right now. I, I, I can't I can't dive into it. Those are the times that you reach out to those folks. Have those conversations. Have those difficult conversations. You would much rather have a difficult conversation than not to be able to have the conversation at all. True that. So, yeah. All right. So let's let's move on to the next topic. Uh, you you had the luxury of the first topic, and so now I get to dive in. What you got, and, sir? Um, I, I, my handy dandy note taker here. Okay. <laughs> so, um, what I'm gonna I'm gonna change gears a little bit. Okay. And, and I'm going to pose, well, I'm going to pose the topic, come up with what, what I am looking forward to. And then I want to hear your inputs. Okay. So I got here, what are you most looking forward to in 2021? And from the context of realistic and mm -hmm. expectations, like, what do I expect to have? Like, what would I like to happen? But <laughs> what does my brain tell me is most likely going to happen? So the first one I wrote down, and it's it's kind of funny that it ended up in this order. The first one on my list is eating in a restaurant. Now, a <laughs> lot of places, a lot of places you can eat in. Mm -hmm. Like I go to, if it's a sit down restaurant, most of them have figured out a way to get you in. Good point. And so you can sit down, you can eat. Correct. Okay. That, not a problem there. Most dine-in restaurants figured it out why some of these fast food restaurants are still trying to figure out a way to make this happen. I have no Chick-fil-A being one, Zaxby's being another. The line at Zaxby's is triple wrapped around the building because you can't go in. Why they can't figure it out, I don't know. But that that is, for me, one of the things that I'm looking forward to in 2021 is just being able to go in and eat and not have nice. to drive through or have it delivered or 
you know, just pick it up and eat it at home. So that, that was number one. I, my realistic, the realistic side says, eh, it's probably not going to change. We're going to have so many ups and downs and spikes and valleys when it comes to who's infected and how and all that stuff that I don't see a lot of that changing, but that would be one of my expectations, my, my hope. Um, another yep. one is the whole mask thing. I would mm -hmm. like to say it's going away, but realistically, probably not. Uh, nope. Travel. Would yeah. love to be able to travel unencumbered. Mm -hmm. But every time you leave, anytime you go 50 miles away from your house, you have to tell your boss you become quarantined for 14 days. So don't want to do that. Yep. And then I would like to be able to turn on the news and see something different than, hey, we've hit a new milestone when it comes to the number of people who have died from COVID. I would like to see a different spin, kind of like with the elections. I want, mm -hmm. it, I want something different in the headlines. Realistically, it's probably not going to change for at least the next <laughs> six months. Even at with, least. Hey, look, we, we were very optimistic. Hey, they found a vaccine. They're going to start shipping those out. And this is, man, we're really going to start seeing a dive. And no, because now the no, new story is, well, there have been a delay. We can't get everybody vaccinated. Uh, the states are running into issues. Some chucklehead wants to leave 500 doses out because he thinks it's a conspiracy. And so now you've got all these hindrances Yep, disruptions. And so those that was my hot list of things that I'm hopeful for in 2021, but realistically, I'm probably not going to happen. So I, I, that was a great topic. That, that is a great topic. I have three based off of you know yours as well. Um, so number one on my list, I did do a little bit of this in 2020 and also, no, I haven't done anything in 2021, but it's more so of what it used to be is travel. I mean, let's be honest. Um, I have been on an airplane three times during during the pandemic, um, two for leisure and once for work. Um, flying already is, is is a pain because of you know September 11th, um, you know the security and having to you know go through that process. I think ultimately, this pandemic has now become a transformational situation when it comes to travel. So unfortunately everybody masks are, are going to be a mandatory no matter what from here on out i mean I, whether you like it or not you will have to wear a mask forever hey, if you want to fly other countries have been doing this for years if they for, if they're for, sick i mean especially in in asia they wear a yes, mask they this wear is a nothing mask. new to them this is nothing new so um but definitely that the, the ability of unencumbered travel you know being able to go to on a, on a resort you know being able to like you said I, I guess mine is a little bit more overreaching of being able to eat at a restaurant on a resort like i just really would love ah, to be able to have that good luck you with that I mean? it's not going to happen anytime soon and, and ultimately we work in the hospitality industry so travel would also open up a lot more do doors for us and our business right. as well yeah. so um, that was number one for me number two for me live sets I miss going to oh, and seeing a concert. concerts, going to see jazz, just going to hear music played live. I mean, it. I, I didn't realize how much I missed it. See, and that's until, not something I do. So I, I that hasn't I, affected I, me at all. Oh my God, it, it's burning me up. Like literally. So if you ever, you know, for all those music enthusiasts out there, I'm going to drop a plug. Um, Tiny Desk, NPR Tiny Desk, whether you believe in NPR or not, Tiny Desk is the most pure way of listening to live music in this format. You can't go to a live set. So literally hearing your favorite artists or just people you don't know 
play an instrument in their own home blows my mind to where now I'm like, I can't wait till this person comes to my town because I have to hear it. Like I have to hear it live. I mean, it's just amazing. Now, the one thing that I do miss, and it has nothing to do with me being there, mm -hmm. but watching events where there's a crowd, yes. whether it be football, basketball, baseball, yep. concert, whatever, but yep. seeing performers, entertainers yes. in an empty arena does very little for me from a fan perspective. And it's funny. They're still doing the same thing on the field. They're playing a game or they're still playing their instruments, singing a tune, but I lose interest because there's just no wow factor, I guess. I don't know. They're pumping in the crowd noise. I've never seen that ever before in my life, but literally but, oh. speakers pumping did in you, crowd speaking noise. Speaking of sports, insane. did you know, um, oh, this, my customer doesn't know what a folio is. Um, <laughs> but so, did you watch the game last night, uh, the Steelers versus the Browns? I did. I did. Okay. Did you see their – it wasn't the on-field camera. It's that little hanging camera that they swooped down. Did you see the, the, the quality striking. from that thing? It was like – I'm not Ooh. kidding. It was like a 50-millimeter lens on there, and the yes. player was in focus, but then it, it blurred as it got farther away. Oh, my gosh. It was the most stunning image I've ever seen from a sporting event. I, I do know someone who I grew up with who now works with, oh my God, who does Tyler work with now? Uh, I think he's with Seattle Seahawks now, and he is the controller of the Skycam in Seattle. Probably one of the sickest things I've ever seen in my life. However, he gets paid well handsomely because he has to rig that thing himself. I'm good. I'm so good. I'm so good. I'm not going on top of any stadium to rig up any equipment just to get a camera shot. I'm sorry. It's just not for me. No, um, no, I've yeah. got a fear of heights. And right, then number so three for me number three. was going to the gym. I am a gym rat. You can go I to the gym. To, I, no. You can no, go to the gym. Not, you just got to wear a mask. You just got to carry no. your, uh, what is it, the the spray bottle of disinfectant. You got to have a rag in the other hand. And so you got to try and lift a weight and clean the weight, lift the weight, clean the weight. Listen, so let, let, let me let our listeners know. I am a true jock. When I go what? to work out or play sports, I want to sweat. I want to throw snot rockets. I want to do, that's who I am. Love me or hate me. Okay. So when I go to the gym i put in work yes i wipe down my machines but wearing a mask while i'm trying to max out i will die no, wait in the gym. no wait no no hold on some of these elite athletes a category that you just put yourself into have trained yeah. with masks for years to try and increase yes. their lung uh, uh, capacity so yeah. they're having to work harder to breathe then when you take it off oh man i can breathe great i can work harder now this should be something that you're just you're just taking it all in, man. You're, you're excited about it. You should want it. Thank you. Thank you. That's what I needed. I needed the encouragement and yeah. the, you know, just, just to know that I can do it. So yeah. I'll, I'll give you an update next week. Hey, I'll put two update. filters on your mask. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> double up. This, look, I'm already doubling up when I travel. So I might as well double up in the gym. There you go. Let's go. There you go. I like it. I like it. Right. Um, so, hey, quick, oh, dude. Technical difficulties, just, folks. I just got vertigo. Hey, um, oh man, technical difficulties. Hey, real quick, um, what we talked about some of the things that we're optimistic for or we'd like to see in mm -hmm. 2021. But tell me this mm -hmm. name two things that you think are going to be negative side effects 
when COVID goes away. When Ooh. we're no longer talking about COVID and having to deal with it, when it's no longer on the forefront, what are two things that you think you're going to look at and go, man, I kind of liked it better when we were having to deal with COVID or um, a, a pandemic? Number one that came to my head, the first thing that came to my head, we live here in Atlanta, traffic. I, I am not looking forward to driving anywhere in Atlanta, even after the pandemic, because there's so many individuals who have moved it. I didn't even, yeah. didn't even write that. that. That was kind of wrapped into my second one. I put work expectations because okay. work expectations right now, I can't go to the office. I got to work from home. And so there's there's a, an expectation that you can't do as much because of the environment that we're in. And that will and, change when COVID goes away. And, and I would actually push back on that because I believe that I am even more productive now. Oh, no, I'm way more productive. But way the expectation of the, the people on the, the high end, the, the, yeah. the senior leadership, they're going to want everybody to come in and want everybody to do things they're at the corporate office and and i'm not just talking about us i'm talking about across the board that Absolutely. companies are going to expect more like right now we understand that people can't travel so in the hospitality industry we understand that there's going to be a dip but once that covid um, umbrella if you will or that mask mm -hmm. comes off mm -hmm. they're going to say hey there's no more there's nothing else in keeping us from getting back to pre-covid numbers so we want more yeah. And so that that's one of the things that I'm not looking forward to. Yeah, I, 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 I was already pushing back on that when I was working in the office. I think now it'll just I think it'll actually be a, a tool on my, you know, my belt to basically state. No, I was highly productive when I was working from home um, when it was necessary. And even now I will still come into the office for me, you know, meetings, things like that. But the hours that I'm losing, driving back and forth oh, into the office, Ridiculous. taking lunch breaks, you know, all these different things. I ran into the kitchen, scarfed down a sandwich in 10 minutes and I got back to answer an email. You tell me I'm, that's not more productive in my own home instead of being in an office where see, I, I think you and I, hey, we're the anomalies. Because you're, yes. me, you and me, we're the same way. I get my my food, I eat it at my desk in my house, and I'm here Absolutely. the entire yep. day. Okay, so Absolutely. we're the anomalies. I think a, I think the fear is from the leadership side that a majority of people are just kind of punching in. Hey, I clocked in, walking away, and they're going to go out to so, the yard. They're going to go out clean the car. They're going to do this, do that, and so I think that's their perception. Yes. And that is then where we then push back on senior leadership to basically state, no, uh, really, truly do recalculate your efficiency numbers in your organization. Find out those individuals who really, truly are putting up those numbers. You see VPNs, you can see who's logged in, who's actually um, putting up numbers and even their own effort with the response from their teams. That is ultimately what, in the, what senior leadership should look at. Hey, you know what? My, you brought this up. Um, do you do a lot of I'm assuming you do a lot of research, like you, you read the news, right? Of course. All right. So I'm turning off the work computer, man. I am I punched out, man. It's five <laughs> o'clock. All right. So real quick, I saw this and you, you brought it up. You brought up teams and we got, we're on zoom now, but mm -hmm. teams specifically, they've created, I don't know if it's an algorithm or if it's mm -hmm. software, uh, if it's, um, tie-ins I, I, I don't i don't know what the the correct vernacular is for it but 
they are putting things in place for supervisors to determine how much work their employees are doing because Teams is now the centerpiece within Microsoft and, and Outlook for people to communicate and get things yep. done. Now, mm -hmm. we don't use that as much for, uh, at least I don't, for inner office communication. I use a phone, I use an email. Mm -hmm. But according to these plugins that you can use that it will say, hey, you were, you are at work eight hours, you collaborated with these people, you did this, you did that, 500 emails and all these things, all these metrics. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so yeah, it's, it is an algorithm um, to where it's basically, again, going back to find out how efficient an individual is. Um, yes, one thing we will all learn a hundred, a thousand years from now um, is robots can't tell you everything. Robots can't tell you, you know, how efficient an individual is from how much weight and volume was inside of a conversation and then the decision and what it then the output was. All they see are you know, different inputs and different outputs. And then they put out, you know, this is what I project, but real true key. And I push back on senior leadership, really truly dive into those relationships with those team members that are on your team. Have a conversation, don't rely on, you know, a computer system or, you know, some application to tell you how efficient your team is. Have those difficult conversations, good or bad, to really find out if this person is really truly invested in your organization and on the team and headed in the same direction. Because honestly, yeah, that thing tells me that I am the best thing since sliced bread. And, you know, I, I've been doing all these different works and I connect with this many people and that many people, but I don't even use that thing all the freaking time. It's monitoring my emails. Yeah, me responding back to emails is more so having, you know, conversations with jokers, hey, get this corrected. But that thing doesn't measure the conversations that I have on the phone right. or physically traveling to a property and how the volume of that conversation and that interaction to where you just see an email that I replied back to. You don't see the subsequent conversations that followed up and ultimately the revenue that drove into that property. I, I think what you're pointing to is quality over quantity. Absolutely. Because the quality isn't something that can be defined by a metric within teams. I agree. That, that, that can only, you know, it's it's a tick mark. It's like you did this tick tick tick, but it can't it can't possibly determine the effectiveness or the quality of what you did. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's it's algorithms. I don't want to bash you know a lot of these coders and things like that. Algorithms are great. Are great. One of the best you know new inventions of the 21st century of just being able to you know put in all these inputs and get an output that's similar to or follows the guidelines or you know the characteristics of a specific individual's actions and their care and their traits however where algorithms lose out we all watch netflix we all watch hulu we all watch these things there's things that you're seeing on here like who in the heck is watching that i'm not watching that yeah or <laughs> where, someone told me about this show oh no i really truly would enjoy this show you still have to put the work in. You still have to have those conversations. You still have to do the research, which is, I think, see, uh, episode two of, of the JNN podcast just needs to be called research. Put the work in, do the research to really search and find what you're looking for. All right. Well, you just titled our podcast. We're going to title this one research. <laughs> 
All right, so you, we, we've covered a lot of ground today. Um, <laughs> what, what is the high note? What is the, the positive? What is the high note that we can leave on to, to let people know that, hey, it's not all doom and gloom. We've talked about some things that, you know, could probably need some work, but what is the one thing that comes to mind that you can say, hey, at least we got this going for us, leave on a high note, put people in a positive mind, good attitude, what you got for us? My high note for this week is ultimately collaboration. I want oh. people to hear the word collaboration um, in multiple ways. Um, you know, me personally, I have, you know, a newborn at home, um, plus another child, uh, a six-year-old and my wife here, and we're all working together to make our home well. I work with, with a great organization. I connect with a lot of people who are out professionally and we get the job done together um, and, you know, ultimately outperformed our competition and then overreaching our, our country. Yes, there's a lot of division, a lot of individuals who see not eye to eye, but I really truly believe that this country democracy, we will then, we've been through so many things over our short, very, very short history of America. But the key thing there is where we still collaborate. Even after that riot happened, the key thing my wife said, she's like, what do you think they're gonna do next after this? I said, they're gonna get their ass up and go back in that chamber and get this vote done. We have to work together to work toward a common goal of keeping this country going in the right direction. I Working agree 100%. The question now before us, we, mm -hmm. we've identified what has to happen. We've identified mm -hmm. what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. The question now is, can it slash will it happen? Look back, oh God, I almost knocked over my microphone. Look back from just a very short history. Mm -hmm. Let's look back over the last four years. How mm -hmm. willing has our Congress, how willing have they been to work together? Almost at every opportunity, they, they, put their flag in the ground and say, I'm not budging simply because you think that way. I think this way. I mean, look at the stimulus check, just, just there. We'll just use one topic. Mm -hmm. They said $600. The other side said, no, we, we need 2000. No, $600. Mm -hmm. And they send that up because they're the majority. So they send it up. President looks at it and goes, no, I want 2000. I'm going to, and then there's a lot of pressure. Oh, what do you mean you're not going to sign it? It's $600 that would go in our pocket. And he's like, look, I'm trying to get you 2000 And they're like, no, we need money now. So he signs it. We get the 600 And now people are like, what? We could have got 2000 What are you talking about? <laughs> and so now there's another discussion about, well, we, let's make it 2000 And so that's going to be within the next 100 Oh, and don't, don't even get me started. You just made me think the next 100 days for the, the president-elect. That's one of the things that he's trying to push through is the 2000. Now, granted, I would love $2,000. That money's got to come from somewhere. Taxes are going to be raised. And, and along with that, first 100 days, he wants to chop off $10,000 of school loan debt, college loan debt. $10,000 per student multiplied exponentially is a bazillion dollars. Where do you think that money's coming from? We just gave out you know, billions of dollars in, in COVID relief money. So those are the things that in the coming episodes, we're going to need to discuss and see how they unfold, how they impact us, and um, maybe bring some, some knowledge and education to our viewing or listening audience, uh, because I think we're, we're going to see a lot of change in yes. the coming year. Yes. And I'm excited to see 
what it is, how it pans out, and to talk about it. Um, but I like collaboration. I'm hoping we see a lot of that this year. I'm hoping the, the, the two sides can put their differences behind them and look more towards um, things that bring us together and not things that drive us apart. Agree. Uh, we can uh, make some positive strides and heal a country, heal a nation, because uh, we are quite divided at the moment. We are extremely divided, but then all at the same time, I believe this country isn't as divided as it once was. Let's be clear. Um, you know, back in the Civil War to where, you know, literally brothers were killing brothers. Fathers were, you know, you know, killing their sons. I don't think we're that far, but it's just to the point where we need to make sure that we're willing to, A, like, you, like we said, collaborate with one another. Um, but at the same time, just make sure we're, th that end game, looks uh, obtainable you so, know so okay so with that in mind quick mm -hmm. question before we jump off mm -hmm. you you've mentioned that we need we need something we need collaboration uh we need vision do you think that that is going to come from within the political system, or do you think that's going to be somebody outside of the political system that's going to come out? And, and I'll use this just as a, a reference. That, that uh, what is that? She's the 14 year old kid from Europe. Uh, Hold on. I can't Gerda. Gerda. Yeah. Uh, she brought international attention to climate control and to how we're impacting the environment, what we're leaving for the younger generation. So she was a catalyst of, if nothing else, a discussion, attention. Mm -hmm. So do you think there's going to be something like that here in America that brings more attention to politics and says, hey, we need to do better. We can do better. Uh, we need to have um, more uh, conversations about um, collaborating and not being so divisive, finding agreements, finding uh, where we're alike and not so many, you know, not finding ways that we're different. Do you think that's going to be somebody from within the political party, a congressman, um, somebody in a cabinet position, local level? Or do you think that's going to be somebody from the outside, outside the political system that just says, you know what, I've had enough. And I'll, I'll bring up a, an, an example, Joe the plumber. Remember, remember, uh, I think it was, was it Obama? I think, I, I think it was, I, I think it was Obama. I don't know if it was first term or second term. But it was it was Joe the plumber who came out. He was just happened to catch a news crew and they interviewed him. And he said, hey, this is what I'm thinking, Joe Citizen. And mm -hmm. boom, national attention. Mm -hmm. so do you think it's going to have to be some grassroots campaign like that? Or do you think it's going to be somebody who's already on the national stage? So I, I then go back to, you know, how things have changed in the past. Yes. The, the young lady, Gerda, I, can't, I know she has a Scandinavian back, no, last name, I'm not even going to yeah, attempt I, it. I am horrible with names. I know. Um, it was just her. She brought it up and then luckily got in front of some cameras and, and was able to drive change. Um, uh, there's been other instances where it's just been one person and they're the catalyst to then, you know, start some change. The things in history, and I'm not saying just in, you know, American history, and I'm talking about in just history in general. It's not usually just one person. It's a group of individuals who have a similar mindset, working toward a similar goal that ultimately bring about drastic, dynamic change. 
Yes, that one young lady, Gerda, she's doing a great job. Yes, I have two young children. I want to make sure that I'm leaving the earth a lot better, um, you know, for my children. But it can't just be her. It has to be in multiple countries, multiple parts of the, of the world to basically say, hey, like we said before, yes, we want to leave the, 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 the world in a better place. How do we do it? I know you don't know how to do it, young lady. You're not a physicist. You don't know exactly what's going on. But then let's see where they have some more people speak out. Don't be afraid to speak out and say what needs to be done to get us to the change. Because ultimately, I think back of all the different things that have, there were the start of this great nation. They didn't want to basically be ruled underneath Britain anymore. They stood out and said they, they want to stand independent on their own. Um, the civil rights movement, they said, you know, it, making it equal for everybody on, on the face of the earth, no matter if you're black, brown, yellow, green, white, blue, everyone should have the same civil, um, same li li civil liberties. And then now to this thing point, I still want to be able to, you know, go on a hike and drink fresh spring water as it comes out of the ground. You mean to tell me in the next 20 years I won't be able to do that? All right. What needs to happen to get that change going headed forward? It just, and it, this is what it comes down to. In every instance that you pointed out, it's the same common theme. You just have to be willing to be uncomfortable. Yep. And once you're uncomfortable, that's when change happens. But change doesn't happen when you're comfortable. For everything from working out to financial independence, if it's comfortable, there is no change. Correct. So someone yeah. needs to be that, that spokesman that comes up and says, hey, listen, we just need to be uncomfortable. And I know it's not appealing. I know it's not what you want, but it's what we need. What we and need. Once we can get past this initial period of being uncomfortable, and it's, I don't know if you've ever heard Tony Robbins, mm -hmm. yeah. um, motivational speaker. One mm -hmm. thing that he said that impacted me, uh, I read his first book, Awaken the Giant Within. And he mm -hmm. said, you have to change that short-term pleasure for long-term pain, change that mindset. And so you can do short-term pain for long-term joy. I agree. And so that's, we need somebody and you know, there are people out there, they're, they're preaching this stuff, but we need that one person who's going to catch an audience and say, you know what? you're right. We need to just be uncomfortable for a short amount of time. And then we will see the change that needs to happen. I agree. And I think it's you. I think I nominate Jason <laughs> to be that guy. And so starting today, you're going to be the, the change machine. Uh, and your, your platform is going to well, be machine, so I'm just, uncomfortable I'm, is I'm cooler just than you thought. So change machine, you mean I'm just going to have to be uncomfortable and just shoot out quarters out of my, out of my ass. That's what yeah, I need to do. That's what you're going to do. You're the change machine. Just making change. Just Every making time change. a little old lady's trying to do her laundry. Making change. It used to be make it rain, but now it's going to be make it, making change. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, I have to agree with you. Um, not, not, I mean, I, I, you're right. And it does start with me, but it starts with my local area. It starts with my neighbor right there and my neighbor right there. Uh, ultimately, I, I can I did something that I really, really take, you know, very, very personally. Um, and I preach this to my kids all the time. Community is everything. 
what you do in your small circle and how you present yourself to those that do know you and don't know you that are still watching you, the way you carry yourself is ultimately where you're going to start to see change. I can say in my short little one block area that I live um, over in, you know, Eastern Marietta, you know, almost East Cobb, I have seen this neighborhood transform as a result of just small little things that I have done and also my neighbors have done. So that's where we start to see the change. So Got it. yes, and I, it, that's, that's your challenge. That, you know what, that, that's the way we can leave the podcast very uplifting and you know, change doesn't happen overnight, but if you can start affecting change just where you are in your sphere of influence, that's step number one. And then from there, you know, it's, it's exponential. You tell one, they tell five and then they tell 10. And the next thing you know, it, we're starting to see the change. And so uh, that's, that's the positive outlook. Yep. You just create the change where you live. So we've covered a lot of topics today. I and, enjoy uh, we, we have broken down some things and um, given our listeners a lot to think about. And hopefully they, they paid attention all the way to the end. And um, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to the next one already. And uh, hopefully we won't have to talk about, you know, a capital building being, um, you know, taken over and rioting and things. Hopefully we'll have positive things to talk about. We'll see what it might be impeachment times two. So oh we'll my see. gosh. All right. Well, there's always something to talk about. So this has been the JNM podcast. That's Jason. I'm Mike. This is our world as we see it. And we thank you for taking the time to listen to us today. And we look forward to sharing our thoughts and ideas with you in the next episode. So until then, be well, and we'll see you in the next one. See you next time. Subscribe.